So, uh, how many of us, I'm going to ask for a show of hands uh, this morning, if you would, how many of you use the, and I'm going to ask you to keep your hands up just for a moment, how many of you use the internet regularly or you did at least one time over the last year? Internet. Just, I'm just curious. Does, it, does anybody have their hand, hand down? Oh, I'm just curious about, about that. Uh, it's interesting. It's to, it's, it seems that it's just about um, all of us. Maybe not surprising, but it seems maybe uh, just about all of us. So that's good. So hey, we're going to stop there just for a moment. If this is your first time with us today, thank you for being here. My name is Mike. I'm the lead pastor here at MCC. And we appreciate you joining us and beginning your new year with us. And our hope, just so you know what kind of place we are, uh, we, uh, our hope is to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus, and for those who have never made a commitment to him, to make that commitment to him and to grow in that and to help other people come to know him as well. And if you are joining us online, thanks for joining us there, and our hope is that we encourage you in your faith as well, and that uh, we can be a help to you in helping your friends and your family come to know Jesus. And by the way, uh, that's the, the internet right there. So, uh, appreciate that. Listen, I, I'm curious if what's true of the world, I asked you the first question because I'm mostly curious about this next question. Uh, how many of us uh, use social media? So, you were on social media at least at some, just if I can see your hands just real quick, just social media uh, over the last year, all right? In, a, in an article from May of last year, and this may not surprise you or it may seem surprisingly low to you, right? Uh, 63% of global internet users are also social media users. Does that surprise anybody? Does that seem low to anybody? Uh, so a little over six out of 10 people on the internet are actually using social media apps. This is where people share things like pictures and stories about friends and family and funny videos and GIFs or GIFs you know, whatever, and coupons and discounts, news articles, educational videos, informative blog posts and uh, infographics, music videos, sports news, and highlight videos and other entertaining content, and perhaps uh, a bit uh, more about me than you care to know, or maybe you already know this, but when I go online, I'm basically looking for one of two things, you know, sports news, especially during football season, Man, has that been painful recently. Uh, but, also, uh, but also, I look for funny things. R really, I'm looking for funny things most of the year. Just something, not necessarily to share, just to laugh. Uh, and uh, usually it involves, you know, an animal like uh, a cat. And, uh, uh, or a person, you know, doing something that hurts, uh, much like this. goodness. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that makes me laugh. So, uh, and I'm just curious. I'm, so I'm going to ask you to raise your hand one more time. So if you're new here this morning, you're going, oh, it's one of those churches that raises their hands all the time. Okay. Uh, so if you use one of the top seven uh, social media apps here in the United States, uh, social top seven in the United States, you ready? So when you hear yours, if you'd raise it and keep it up so we can just kind of get a look, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Snapchat, Tumblr, Pinterest. Okay, all right. 
There were a couple others that I really don't want to know if you use or not. Uh, but do you ever wonder, have you ever, so if you're on one, did you ever wonder, because sometimes I'm looking at what's online, I'm thinking, why in the world are so many people sharing so much content? Why are they posting things? The New York Times actually did a study, and they found the five main reasons. I want you to see these. Five main reasons are to bring valuable, enlightening, entertaining content to others, to define themselves to others, but also they're hoping to define themselves to themselves, to get and stay connected to others. wonder which of these is yours, by the way, for self-fulfillment, to be credited by others for what they have shared, and to support causes that they believe in and brands that they like. I share all of that to say, because of that last one, enter the hashtag. All right? And I don't know if you noticed, that's the name of the series we're starting off the year, more than a hashtag, because these are super important. This past year in Dayton, when the KKK held a rally in our city, when tornadoes hit uh, uh, Dayton, when a gunman killed nine people and wounded 17 others, there was a hashtag that helped become a symbol of the resiliency of the city of Dayton. Do you know what that hashtag was? Hashtag Dayton Strong. That's right. And if you did a search of hashtag Dayton Strong, you can see what people are writing about, uh, about what Dayton is thinking or how we're responding to these things specifically, but not only those, but other tragedies in our area. And hashtags make that possible on social media. They eliminate everything that is not that hashtag. And so it becomes a de facto somewhat filing system on social media, if you want to find information about that in particular, that's how you find it, which can be great. Because many of these social media campaigns have accomplished big things. They've spread awareness about what's wrong in the world, and they have helped to make some of the wrong things right. And because social media is so accessible, it's just this incredible tool for spreading the word about a crisis or injustice and quickly, especially for people who are ignored by and large, or whose voices seem to be silenced outside of the electronic media. But all of that begs this question, right? Is writing a really great post all it takes to make a difference in the world? Or is it possible that justice is about more than just a hashtag? And I'm asking what may seem like a new question to us because of social media. It seems like it's a new issue, but it's actually something that God's people have addressed, has been addressed with God's people, for thousands of years. As a matter of fact, there is a passage in Scripture that has become a recognizable and only partly uh, understood because it's lifted right out of context, right? Uh, it's a passage of Scripture that is a popular social justice text. Perhaps you've seen this, right? From Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O mortal, or depending on the translation you've got, oh, he has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? Let's read this last part out loud together. To act justly to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. So what is this passage saying, and specifically, how does it apply to us today, especially when we're talking about hashtags and social media? What's that got to do with anything? So time and place on this particular passage, the prophet Micah lived in a small village in, southern, in the southern kingdom of Israel called Moresheth, uh, about the same time as the prophet Isaiah, who maybe you have heard of more than you've heard of Micah, so about 700 years before the birth of Jesus. So if you're looking for a timeline, it's 700 years before Jesus is born. And here's why Micah is writing, just so you kind of get the big picture, because Israel has been sinning, sinning against God. 
and they would not stop. Prophets have come and talked to them, and they will not stop descending. And so Micah says, there are some invasions coming as a punishment. We will be punished for our sins. Assyria is going to come, Babylon is going to come, and they are going to wipe us out, punishment of sins. And indeed, if you know your Old Testament, both of those invasions did occur. In Micah 3.8, he writes this, but the Lord has filled me with power and his spirit. And I use the contemporary English version for a certain phrase. But the Lord has filled me with power and his spirit. I have been given the courage to speak about justice and to tell all you people of Israel, right? All you people that you have sinned. 500 years of rebellion. And Micah is naming towns and he's naming leaders who have become wealthy through their, through their theft and greed and who've been justice to favor those uh, who can afford it, neglect the poor prophets who have become wealthy by speaking to people if you can afford to pay them uh, for talking. So God has withdrawn his protection from Israel. That's what Micah is saying. He is, he is withdrawing his protection from us. And most of Micah is about these warnings and he warns them three times over uh, about the coming invasions and the punishment that's coming. But along with those warnings, when you read this prophecy, there are these promises as well. There, there's a blessing that is going to come. There is a promise of hope afterwards. And Micah actually talks about a coming ruler who will be born in Bethlehem. Look at Micah chapter 2. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God, and they will live securely, for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. Do you know who Mike is talking about? A hint. We just celebrated his birthday. All right? Uh, so Micah is sure to... So there's a, there's a prophecy about Jesus, the coming Messiah there. So Micah is sure to tell them about God's promises of hope for the future. But for this day, hard day, hard day, because Micah is calling the leaders uh, on the carpet for their unjust economic practices. And so the people, they hear this prophecy and they respond, just not the way you had hoped that they might. Verse 6, Micah uh, chapter 6, verse 6. And with what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with a calf, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and with 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Now it was common, just so you know, we'll stop for a moment. It was common uh, for the Israelites, for the Jewish nation to make elaborate sacrifices and offerings to God in the temple. These sacrifices were designed, offered to please God. And in verses 6 and 7 of, of this passage, this, this, that's what Micah was pointing out. But really what the people are asking, so they're asking this question, what do we do to make this right? It sounds really good. But what they're really asking is how do we get God off our back? That's how, do we, how do we avoid this? How do we get him off of our back? And that's when Micah says this very, he says something very countercultural in verse 8. This is not what they would have expected him to say. But if you know any verses from Micah, my guess, and I mentioned this before, my guess is this, this is the verse. This is the passage you know, Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. By the way, these were the words, this passage was chosen 
uh, at our family dedication this past fall to be prayed over my granddaughter Ellie um, so that she would grow up. Her mom and dad chose these verses so that she would grow up to be a woman who loves just or walks justly, acts justly, loves mercy, and walks humbly with God. That's the kind of person they want their daughter to be. It's exactly who Israel has not been. And I'll tell you that God doesn't care about your showy sacrifices at the temple. He would ha rather have you live out lives of a faith that results in justice and mercy and humility. God isn't looking merely for people who come to church and say the right things and, and believe the right things and even do the right rituals. He's looking for a faith that goes outside of the walls of this building, just like it was to go outside of the walls of the temple and make a difference in the world. So please write this down. If you're taking notes, if you have the Bible app open, please check this out. God is calling his people to do something. By the way, this is why we're starting the year with the series title, More Than a Hashtag, because in the age of social media, it's easy to send a tweet or post a selfie or share a video of some sort of inspiring cause or campaign, but for many people, it seems that's where our justice work ends. And again, let me ask, is, it, is writing a great post really all it takes to make a difference in our world, or is it possible that God wants something more than a hashtag. So because of that, I want to offer a couple of next steps in your faith. One of these things we're about to talk about might be the next step in your faith as you grow. Here's the first one. You ready? I want to recognize that my hashtags do matter. Your hashtags matter. When you're on social media, those, those, those matter. But let me say it another way for the rest of life as well, right? My words matter. And I'm going to sit on this for just a minute because we need to be mindful of what we say and type. Proverbs 18.21 reminds us that the tongue has the power of life and death. When you look that up in other translations like the Good News translation, what you say can preserve life or destroy it. So you must accept the consequences of your words. What we say has the ability to do a great deal of good. It also has the ability to do a great deal of harm, specifically to the kingdom of God, because we self-identify as children of God, right? We self-identify as followers of Jesus, and so our words reflect directly back on Jesus and on the kingdom of God. That's why I think Paul wrote these, wrote this about our words in Philippians chapter 2 to the church in Philippi, so then to us as well. Do everything without grumbling or complaining or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation because that's when, notice that, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky when you do everything without grumbling or arguing as you hold firmly to the word of, of life, grumbling and complaining. Just two ways that our words have this direct impact on, the, on how people perceive Jesus and how they perceive the kingdom of God because we identify as people of the kingdom. But it's this even bigger principle. It's not just arguing and grumbling. It's actually, it's, it's about being keenly aware of what we say. That's why Proverbs 21 says, if you want to stay out of trouble, be careful of what you say. Because for some of us, it's the language that we use. For some of us, it's the stories that we tell or what we imply in the stories we're telling. For some of us, it's what we don't say. Colossians 4, Paul would write this to the early church. Let your conversations be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Because maybe your language isn't noticeably bad. 
It just isn't noticeably good or godly. Ephesians 4, Paul writes this to the church. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Have you noticed? And the Bible says a lot about our words. Have you noticed that? And it's not just New Testament. It's not just Old Testament. It's Old and New Testament. The Bible front to back says a lot about our words, and I would say it has something to do with why Jesus said in Matthew 12, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings the good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings the evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that everyone will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they have spoken. For by your words, you will be acquitted, and by your words, you will be condemned. And I'm hammering this. I'm sitting on this for a moment today, hammering it today, because specifically, as we talk about what Micah has said to the people of his day, what he's saying to us in our day, is in part because this is an electoral year. I didn't know if you knew that or not. If you're on social media, you're vaguely aware that this is an electoral year because there are already things out there, ugly words, harsh words being used. But it's also because of how we respond to social injustice and just social media in general because it's so easy. Listen, it's easy in a tweet or, or on, on, on Facebook or wherever you happen to be for our words to not reflect Jesus. They're not kind words. They don't build up anybody kind of words. I'm not, and listen, I'm not saying that we don't support. I'm not saying that we don't defend. I'm not saying that we don't stand up for. I am saying that how we treat people on social media is a direct reflection of who Jesus in, uh, is in our lives and reflects directly on the kingdom of God because our mouths as children of God reflects what's in our hearts. And our hearts are supposed to reflect the throne of the kingdom of God. That's why we place such a premium around here at MCC on not just going to church. Listen, it's not about just going to church, but it's about following Jesus. And so we say, when, as followers of Jesus, we say that, I mean, our, our big push is we are going to love God, love people, and we're going to live on mission. So to do that, I just want to make sure you understand, to do that, we are going to equip you in four ways, and you may want to write this, actually, you do want to write this down, because this, one of these could be your next step in your faith, but we're going to hammer this, are you ready? We're going to equip you, help you read the scripture. We, we need to be people in the word every day. We're going to equip you, help you, train you, uh, lead you to pray, to live generously, and to bring someone and live generously, by the way, just means how do you live your life at home? Are you generous in the way you live at home, in the way you live at work, in the way you live at school, in the way you live in your neighborhood, the people that you come into contact with in the grocery store, out on the ball field? Do you live your life in a generous way? In this way, we will fill our hearts so full of God that when we open our mouths, he is who will come out, either verbally or on social media. God will come out of our mouth. So let me ask you this, because uh, someone's got to be going this direction. So am I saying we only get to post Bible verses online? Is that what I'm saying? Am I saying that we never get to post a funny picture like this? I mean, seriously, that's just good advice, right? I mean, that should be in the Bible somewhere. 
Shouldn't it, right? What I am saying is that verbally or electronically, because my words matter, my words should sound a lot more like this. And because my words matter, my words should sound a lot more like this. Here's the thing. I'm not saying that words aren't important. I'm saying just the opposite. Don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm saying the exact opposite. Life and death are in our words. So our words, I wanted to make sure I sat on that. I just want to make sure you get this too. It's more than words. If Jesus is going to make a difference in our world, as important as our words are, it will take more than words. In Micah's day, they were wondering, what does God want us to do? Does he want us to make more or bigger sacrifices? So today we might ask, does God... What, what, does he want us to go to church more often? Is, is he wanting us to, I don't know, watch more messages online or sing more songs? No. All of those are important because they help us become who we're becoming. And, and Drew mentioned this passage earlier. I love this from Hebrews in the New Living Translation. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. But let us encourage one another. It's why we've come, to encourage one another to live this life that God is calling us to. So as God did in Micah's day, he does today. So one of our next steps, please write this down, God invites me to join his mission. <coughs> Excuse me. There is so much wrong in the world around us. Sometimes it seems that everywhere we look, we see brokenness and tragedy and injustice. The magnitude of the world's injustice can seem overwhelming, and instead of being inspired, we become overwhelmed. Instead of being motivated, we feel helpless about where we can even start. And if that's you, here are a couple things that I hope will encourage you. So you ready? Here's the first one. God is the miracle worker. It's not you or me. God does miracles. Now, he, he may use us in the midst of that, but he's the one responsible for them, not us. He's calling you and I to join him on his mission of making wrong things right in the world. And, and it, but ultimately, this mission that we're on, it doesn't belong to us. It belongs to him. And so we, we join him where he is. So I've asked a friend of mine, Sarah Pelfrey. So Sarah, if you would come on up. I've asked her to join us this morning. She leads a group here in Miamisburg called Hope for Miamisburg. And I've asked her to come up and share a little bit about what God has been doing already here in our town and how, uh, just to make it more aware and see how you can be connected to this as well. Thanks, Sarah. Awesome. Thank you. So, Mike, I think that your caffeine is kicked in because you're going a little, you're a little more passionate the second round, a little faster. I'm trying to get home so I can take a nap. <laughs> or that's what I was going to say, or that. No, you know what, really? I think that after you've spent time with God's people one round, you're reminded of who he is and the work that he's doing, and it pumps you up. And that's really what I feel right now after spending already first service and now coming in to second service. And it really takes me to the verse um, in John where Jesus says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples 
if you love each other. And you know what? I really feel completely welcome today, and I see an amazing love in this place called MCC. And um, I thought about coming here today and giving you some stats, but I decided, you know, as we're talking about this greater story that happened thousands of years ago, to kind of integrate in some stories that God's continuing to do. And I'm going to start with just revealing a little piece of, of me and my own ugliness in my heart, but how God is so good at humbling us. So um, a couple months ago, we had some people <laughs> leading worship um, where I worship on Sunday mornings, and they were different oh, than Oh, by normal. the way, let me, I didn't say this initially. So just so you know, Sarah uh, is one of the leaders at the Greenhouse, which is another church, uh, another congregation. It's one church, yes, another congregation. Right here in Miamisburg, so we've stolen, we've stolen her from there. <laughs> yes, and you know what, really, that's what Hope for Miamisburg is all about at the end of the day, is that we are one body, that we are one church working together. So anyways, I'm sitting there, and they began to sing this song that I haven't sang in years, the one that says, they will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. You don't want me to sing it, I guarantee you that. Um, but there was this piece of me in that moment that was like, oh, my goodness, I haven't seen this in years, and what in the world? And then as I began to listen to the words and sing the words, I began to weep because I saw this vision of what the Lord wants for his people today. As Micah was saying, hey, this is what, this is what we need to do, I just in that moment. So I'm going to read these to you, um, little pieces of that song, and I want you to think about what that would really look like. So it says, we are one in the Spirit, we are one in the Lord, and we pray that all unity may one day be restored. They will know we are Christians by our love, by our love. We will walk with each other, we will walk side by side, we will work with each other, we will work side by side, and we'll guard human dignity and save human pride. And then, just as Mike spoke about, it goes to why and who this is really about and what the mission really is. And it says, all praise to the Father from whom all things come, and all praise to Christ Jesus, his only Son, and all praise to the Spirit who makes us one. And I can say today that I feel at home because I'm with God's people right? Even though maybe I don't typically worship in this building and grow in this building on a Sunday morning, we are called to be one. And that is really what Hope for Miamisburg is all about. And um, about a year ago, many of us began to ask this question, what would it look like if the church and all the different ministries, the church in Miamisburg, worked together and took the lead in showing love and bringing hope to this city. And that's kind of the high level of what Hope for Miamisburg is about because we have people all over this community. We have people who are struggling with addiction. We have people who are struggling to put food on the table, who are struggling to get clothes, who are struggling to be involved. We have kids who have been in the midst of deep, deep trauma. 
we have people who are struggling with homelessness. And so I'm going to tell you a story that kind of started right here at MCC a couple months ago. I don't know, some of you might have been a part of the Hope for Miamisburg worship night where pastors from all over the community joined together in unity, humbled themselves, worship pastors humbled themselves to lead us to the feet of our Father as one. And on that night, um, our social worker here in Miamisburg, Sally Royer, shared a story, which means she first had to listen to this young lady, this 14-year-old girl, um, and shared it with Mike. And that night, Mike shared that story with the people who were here worshiping. And the next day, I received an email, um, actually from someone who goes here, Paul Reeser. And this is how it starts. I hope this email goes to the Sarah Pelfrey that spoke last night at MCC. I have this email from the 9U Miamisburg Bombers list. If this is you, hi, Sarah. So 9U Bombers, I just want you to know that my boy that played on that 9U Bombers team is now 22 years old in New York City. So this was a while ago. Paul and I had not connected in a long time. Um, but then he goes on to say, I was touched about the 14-year-old you spoke of, and I might be able to help. I bought a vacuum cleaner last night and now have $80 in Kohl's cash, plus a 20% off coupon for everything. But it's only good until Saturday. And that opened the door, and he said a few more things in there, but that opened the door for other people to get involved. Two days later, an email comes through. Our sweet girl went shopping at Kohl's and had a blast picking out clothes. Thanks, Paul. She was so appreciative. And now that person who took this young lady to Kohl's is getting her to her dance team practices, building a relationship with her and her <coughs> mother, and bringing hope into her life. And that is just one story of how people who take steps can work together. So that happened from a social worker sharing with a pastor to a pastor sharing with a the well, with a group of people to a person stepping up and sending an email to another person willing to go take this young lady to Coles, and it has gone deeper and further and really is showing the love of our almighty God. And again, I could tell you story after story. I could give you so many different stats, but at the end of the day, we have hurting people in this city. We have people who need other people to come alongside them and to help them get the resources they need. And so we believe that God uses ordinary people, his believers, his people, to do extraordinary things. And we believe that we are better together. And so I'm just going to give you a couple action steps. There's so many, there's so many of them, but I'll read Jeremiah 29.7 to close us out. But seek the welfare of the city where I sent you and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. And um, we do a thing called Third Thursdays down at the His Hope building at 7 p.m. where we just gather and pray for the city, pray for the churches, the different individuals, um, pastors and leaders and ministries, hurting people. 
Um, we also, an immediate need we have, and we always have as mentors for our kids. Our mentors take one hour, one day a week, go into our schools and love on hurting and vulnerable children. Um, and again, so many other ways that you can step up. So if you want to get involved, please feel free to reach out. But today has truly been a gift to see the body of Christ at work. Let's be people that are known by our love. So I don't know if you received my electronic email on the weekends. If you don't, all you have to do is give us your email address, and we'll send that to you. But I, re I retold that story, and when I was talking to Sarah, she said, do you mind if I tell what happened next? And I was like, what happened next? Because uh, I've never met the young lady to my knowledge. I, the story was shared with me. I shared it. And as Sarah said, somebody picked up the ball, and now you see, as we as the people of God respond, right, when we live the kind of faith uh, like that God can use us to do incredible. This young lady, she's 14. She's been homeless three times in her life. It's what she knows. And we get the chance. God will use us if we'll say yes to change the trajectory of her whole life, change everything that she knows if we will just if we will be willing to make a difference in someone's life. So here's the thing I want to make sure you get because Sarah just highlighted it. It's on your notes. I don't have to do everything. I just need to do something. No one's asking any of us to do all of it, but we all need to pick up a piece of it and make a difference. So these are the verses I'm praying for MCC. I've been praying over this past year. I don't know what you pray when you pray for us. I, I, I would ask that you pray for our leaders here, for our faithfulness to God and to our families and in leading here at MCC. But here's what I pray for us as a congregation. 1 John 3, dear children, let us not love with words or speech. Not that that's not important, right? Life or death. Life or death are in our words. But we got to go beyond that. Let us love not with words or speech, but with actions and truth. This is how we know. This is how we know. This is how we know we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. That's how we know. Not because we talk a good game but because we put those words into action, because life and death and our actions. God is calling his children to do more than just talk a good game. He calls us to love others with our actions, which, by the way, is what it means to live generously, again, in your home, in your workplace, in your school, on the athletic field, in the grocery store, at the gas station, wherever you are, to live generously. And it will be us. No one is called to do this by themselves. So on your notes, your walk with God is not just about you. It's always been about bringing somebody else along. It's always been about that. It's never just you. It's about somebody else as well. And this last thing on your notes, you can't change the whole world, but you can be part of changing something. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing. And my hope is that as we sing this song, that you will be reminded. It will be a response from you to Jesus of what he has done in your life. And just so you know, for some of us, that meant we made this commitment to him. And last hour, there was a young man who made that commitment to him. I had another young man come up to me while the baptism was taking place and said, I need to be baptized. I had a, an older gentleman say to me last hour as he was coming in, hey, I'm going to call the office this week because I need to be baptized. That may be your next step. 
If that's your next step, we want to help you with that. But this song is going to be sung as a response to Jesus for what he has done in our lives and as a reminder of what he can do through ours in the lives of others if we'll let him. So let's pray. God, we do ask that you would use this time as we sing. Keep our hearts warm. Keep our hearts soft for the sake of your kingdom. Help us to remember what we say is so vitally important. Life and death are in our words. But it's got to go beyond what we say. It's got to go beyond a, a memory verse or a bumper sticker or a post online. It's got to work its way into our lives as we learn exactly what it means to act justly and love mercy and walk humbly with you. And so, God, we ask that you would make that the heartbeat of your people here. And we pray this through your son, Jesus. Amen.